Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. And in addition to asking yourself about your priorities, also ask if your priorities are clear throughout your learning business. Is everyone on the team aware of and crystal clear on your priorities for the year ahead? I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 338 of the Leading Learning Podcast, our first episode of 2023. And so we want to focus on what the new year may hold for learning businesses. This episode is a companion to episode 335 that aired in December. In that episode, we reflected back on 2022. Here, we'll look ahead. Hopefully, you've already been strategizing and preparing for the year ahead, but we hope our conversation will be a further encouragement to you to be thoughtful about your learning business's priorities for 2023. To help us look at the year ahead, we'll draw on data we collected via an online survey in October and November 2022. We received qualifying responses from 155 organizations, learning businesses of all types, that is, organizations that sell continuing education, professional development, and other types of lifelong learning experiences to adult learners. And respondents included charitable or philanthropic organizations, educational institutions, for-profit businesses, and associations, which were the largest segment of the respondents, about 41%. We asked those survey respondents to let us know which of 15 areas of activities they're already pursuing, planning to pursue in 2023, or not planning to pursue. So let's go over those 15 areas that we asked about. One, creation of learning experiences that combine online elements with face-to-face elements. Two, implementation of technologies that leverage artificial intelligence to support or enhance learning. Three, micro-learning opportunities. Four, providing a personalized learning experience. Five, creation of social peer-to-peer or cohort-based learning experiences. Six, use of virtual reality or augmented reality to provide new learning experiences or enhance existing experiences. Seven, use of blockchain as an approach to managing records related to learning or certification and credentialing. Eight, use of virtual conferences. And we defined a virtual conference as an online event similar to a traditional face-to-face conference. So single webinars do not count. So those are the first eight areas, and the other areas are nine new or alternative approaches to credentialing, including certificate programs, micro-credentials, and digital badges. Ten, 
aligning offerings with specific career or job paths relevant to learners, for example, through a competency model, learning pathways, or targeted curricula. 11, integration of educational offerings into the learning and development programs of employers in a field or industry or into general workforce development needs. 12, development of strategies or tactics to help combat declining enrollments, downward price pressure, or commoditization of educational offerings. 13, increased efforts to gather and analyze data to inform new product decisions or improve existing products. 14, increased efforts to gather and analyze data that demonstrates the impact or effectiveness of the learning experiences offered. And finally, the last area, implementation of methods to ensure that learning is retained and applied over time. That's number 15. So that's a lot. I think we need to pause and take a deep breath here. Definitely. (laughs) But those 15 areas, they obviously cover a lot of ground, but there are other areas that we could have asked about. And so I think it would be good if we shared a bit about how we arrived at these 15 areas. That's right. We didn't, we didn't pull them out of thin air. We asked about these areas in an end-of-year survey last year and the year before, so 2020 and 2021, and we developed the list way back in 2018. And to develop the list originally, we took a, sort of a modified crowdsourcing approach. We first reached out to thought, thoughtful, smart people, um, practitioners and experts those working in learning businesses and the vendors and consultants working with them and generated a list of trends. And then folding in our you know, own observations and, and thoughts, we arrived at the list of 15. So listener, what's top of the list for your learning business to tackle this year? What are your priorities? It might be something in the list of the 15 areas that we mentioned, or it might be something else. And I will say that you can Find that list of 15 areas in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 338. Before we share some data from the survey on those 15 areas, you might want to pause, literally hit pause on the podcast and think about your own priorities and which of these areas, if any, are on your radar and which are you likely to act on in the coming year. And in addition to asking yourself about your priorities, Also ask if your priorities are clear throughout your learning business. Is everyone on the team aware of and crystal clear on your priorities for the year ahead? As someone who listens to the Leading Learning Podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you'll get leading links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach, revenue, and impact of your learning business. The Podcast Digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com slash inbox.
Now that you've maybe paused and done some thinking on your own, I'll share that we saw six of these 15 areas either being pursued or planning to be pursued in 2023 by 78% or more of responding organizations. And at the, the top of that list is increased efforts to gather and analyze data to inform new product decisions or improve existing products with a whopping 93% of respondents already doing this or planning to in 2023. And then second was another data area, increased efforts to gather and analyze data that demonstrates the impact or effectiveness of the learning experiences we offer. And 89% said they're already doing that or planning to in 2023. And this, by the way, uh, was an item that came in seventh last year, so it moved up. And I think it's worth noting that those top two areas, data for product decisions and data to show impact, are also the areas where more than half of respondents plan to begin work in 2023. The other top six areas that we're going to get to in a minute have larger segments already doing the work. These two data areas are the ones that represent the highest new activity among respondents. Yeah, it was interesting to see and what we'll talk a little bit in a minute about, you know, why that might be. But obviously, I mean, data has been a buzz area for years now, data and, and analytics, um, particularly around being able to demonstrate um, impact. But we know from our experience that in a lot of cases, learning is being put out there without really any thoughtful, uh, intentional way of measuring impact, um, getting the data that shows that uh, we actually move the dial with the learning experiences. And of course, on the other end of the spectrum, data should be informing, as, as the questions ask, you know, how how products are, are designed, which products are, are, are you know, even uh, determined to, to offer in the first place, but then, you know, how they're designed, how they're developed. And we also know from a lot of experience that, you know, oftentimes a committee is coming up with an idea or, or a few people, you know, have a good idea in an organization and will create a product and, and put it out there. And it's, you know, kind of a shot in the dark because there isn't any sort of broader data informing those decisions. And I think, too, that in these top areas, there's uh, perhaps the suggestion of of richer data, of mm. data that can give better insight and actually help determine future direction. So it's not just kind of how many people enrolled or, you know, what did they score in a particular test? I think it's really about what data can you get that gives you a fuller picture of what the market needs, how the learners are responding and interacting with what you're offering. And so it really does then become this tool that you can use to inform decision making in a meaningful way. So let's get back to the survey data and the top six areas. Third, we have creation of learning experiences that combine online elements with face-to-face -face elements. And 82% were already doing it or planning to in 2023. And I don't think that seems too surprising given that we're emerging from the COVID pandemic and gathering face-to-face -face again seems reasonable but learners also saw firsthand the convenience and effectiveness of online learning. So combining online and face-to-face -face just seems really logical. Yeah, definitely. The fourth is providing a personalized learning experience with a combined 82% either already doing it or starting to in 2023. And again, not too surprising. Personalization has long been a sort of holy grail uh, of learning and adult learners seem increasingly intolerant of experiences that waste their time and money by covering ground that they already know. The final two in the top six are creation of social peer-to-peer -peer or cohort-based learning experiences 
and micro learning opportunities. Both of those with about 79% doing or planning work in those areas. And again, I think there's a logic to those being among the top areas, the peer-to-peer and and cohort-based learning. That fits very nicely with the hunger for social connection that the pandemic really deepened. And then microlearning speaks to what you were just saying, Jeff, about adult learners being increasingly intolerant of experiences that waste their time and money. Microlearning respects learners' time, and because of its tight focus, it really allows learners to pick relevant topics and and skip irrelevant ones. Based on the survey data and our own observations, we'll offer three takeaways and some implications of each. And the first we're calling innovation at the edges, meaning that at least for the foreseeable future, product innovation for learning businesses is likely to be much more about meaningful but incremental changes to well-established models than about bold leaps forward or, or blue oceans. The reality is that the range of what most learning businesses can offer has been pretty much the same for, for quite some time now. The shift to online was a disruptor once upon a time, but you know even before COVID, online learning was pretty much an established fact, and it certainly is now. So that leaves us with the question of how do we get better at and generate more value from the usual fare, those courses, conferences, webinars, assessments, communities, and and so on? Yeah, I think that's a really good question to ask. How do you get better at what you're already offering and generate more value? And I think answering that question may be one of the drivers of the focus that we see in the survey results on data to inform product decisions. We need that data to know where and how we can make meaningful changes that will help us better meet learner and employer needs. Right. And the interest in areas like social and cohort-based learning are arguably also evidence of this shift towards innovation at the edges. I mean, these are hardly new approaches, but figuring out how to do them better and then show the impact, and again, that's through data, may give a learning business the edge it needs in its particular market. And I think the economy is also a factor in this takeaway innovation at the edges. In shaky, uncertain economic times, there's often less of an appetite for bold moves and there's more of a desire to make what we have work. And and there's this pressure to make sure that any new initiatives, that we get those right the first time. And again, that brings us back to having the data necessary to make well-informed decisions. And because innovation at the edges is likely to be highly data dependent, I think it's worth noting here that it is harder and harder to get prospects or even existing customers and learners to provide data through traditional means like surveys. We touched on this back in episode 335. There are just so many businesses now trying to get us, us meaning everyone, to respond to a survey, to rate our experience. And partly because of the dwindling trust issue that we also talked about in episode 335, I think consumers are increasingly asking themselves why a business needs that data or is asking about that information. And I think consumers are also increasingly concerned about the safety and privacy of their data which then leads to making them reluctant to provide that data. Yes, I mean, we're going to have to get increasingly, you know, thoughtful and strategic about how we're able to get data. And, 
you know, identifying baked in ways to collect data is going to be increasingly important. And then, of course, making good use of that data as the basis for these small innovations we're talking about. Right. And by baked in ways, I mean, I think you have in mind rather than a, a survey that someone has to fill out, it's more about what, what can you see from their behavior right. and, you know, clickstream data, whatever it is, but it's something that you're just kind of observing what's already happening. But that's important data and it doesn't necessarily require you to to make an ask of, of, a, of a consumer or a user. Yeah, I mean, and we're all about behavioral data anyway. We emphasize that and, you know, the, the research that we do as part of consulting. Um, but, you know, you, you got to think about that. How are, how are you going to determine what are the behaviors you're looking for and how do you actually get the data about those behaviors and then start to use it? So that's the first takeaway, innovation at the edges. The second takeaway is blended learning's rebirth. We're betting that we'll see a renewed interest in and use of blended learning in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, we may already be seeing it. I mean, we've been talking and thinking and writing about blended learning a lot lately. But as a reminder, our definition of blended learning draws on the work of the Christensen Institute and its blended learning universe. And it says that blended learning is a formal education program which meets three criteria. First, Students learn in part through online learning with some element of student control over time, place, path, and or pace. Uh, next, students learn in part in a brick and mortar location where instruction is facilitated. And then third, the online and offline modalities are connected to provide an integrated learning experience. And this blended learning takeaway is supported by at least two of those top six areas that we saw in the survey data. I'm thinking in particular of combining online and face-to-face -face elements and learning experiences and social peer-to-peer -peer and cohort-based learning experiences. The in-person component of blended learning fits well with this pent-up hunger for social connection that's come from the pandemic. Mentioned that a little bit earlier. The online piece speaks to learner convenience and the ability to have more flexibility about when and or how and where to learn. And I think that's a convenience that many people got used to during the pandemic and work from home, situ work from home situations. And I also think that the online piece helps lessen the environmental impact of in-person learning, which often requires travel. And I think there will be increasing scrutiny uh, of the environmental impact of learning going forward. And each mode, of course, has advantages on its own, as you, as you just pointed out, Salisa, and combining in-person and online creates the opportunity really for greater effectiveness than either mode alone can achieve, and, and it leverages some really compelling and appealing benefits of each mode. And for a deeper discussion of the benefits of blended learning, um, we recommend our executive briefing, Why? and how to build your blended learning playbook, which you can get at leadinglearning.com slash blended. Blended learning also can help create loyal customers, loyal learners, loyal members. And that speaks to that dwindling trust issue that we raised in episode 335. As humans, we tend to trust and like people that we're in relationship with. And blended learning puts learners in relationships with each other and then the learning business, as the organizer of that blended experience, it's going to benefit from that trust created in those relationships as well. So that's the second takeaway, blended learning's rebirth. Our third and final takeaway is something we're calling business 
remodels. And if you see this in print, you'll see that we've been oh so clever in putting the re, R-E, in parentheses so that this can be read as business models or business remodels. And this is because organizations that may not have ever had to give too much thought to their business model will need to, to start. And even those that have given a lot of thought to their business models may have some rethinking to do. They may need to remodel those business models. In uncertain economic times and in times of high inflation, like we're in currently, spending can be tight. And that, of course, impacts what individuals and organizations are able and willing to spend on things. And those things include learning. Right. And okay, that's the bad news, of course. The better news is that currently in the U.S., we have a lot of job vacancies. So reskilling, upskilling, and onboarding are, are needed even more now. And we touched on this in episode 335. All of this points to the need to find those small innovations that increase the real and perceived value of our offerings, but also the need to find new and improved approaches for generating revenue from those offerings. And part of the attraction of approaches like blended learning, cohort-based learning, micro-learning, is that they may provide ways to create monetizable add-ons or variations or extensions of the traditional offerings that many learning businesses have, like conferences or seminars. And that can change what and how a learning business is able to charge for those offerings. Microlearning, for example, can make a lot of sense as part of a subscription model or as part of a membership model. And it seems likely that we'll see more offerings going forward where education isn't sold as just that single event or a unit of content, but as part of a larger whole, perhaps as part of a subscription package or maybe as part of a complete pathway or a learning journey. And it's notable that, you know, one of the areas we asked about in the survey that just missed being in the top six was around aligning offerings with a specific career or job path relevant to learners. Just under 75% of respondents said that they're already doing that or they plan to pursue to, to start doing that in 2023. Somewhat related to that, I, you know, it seems likely that we're going to see more learning businesses that have traditionally sold primarily to individuals evolve into also selling to businesses or finding new ways to distribute their offerings through partners or more advanced technology platforms. The idea being, you know, kind of how can you get from that um, B to C, that sort of, you know, single units being sold to having more impact, reaching more learners in sort of a single transaction. Right. And, you know, we've talked about that before. Um, and we also made the point before that all of this suggests more sophisticated models than the traditional fee for registration model. And those are going to require greater business development acumen than, than many organizations currently have. Right. And we saw that ASAE relatively recently added business development as a domain to the CAE, the Certified Association Executive Credential that it offers. Right. Very telling. And I recently attended the um, annual meeting of Professionals for Association Revenue, or PAR, which is a, a new organization focused specifically on non-dues revenue for associations. And and these are just two signs out of many that we see that both business development and business models are likely to receive significantly more attention in 2023 and beyond. So those are our three takeaways, innovation at the edges, blended learnings rebirth, and business remodels. Which of those three takeaways resonates the most with you? 
what takeaway might you add from the data we shared and or from your own observations of the learning landscape? Those are good questions to reflect on after you finish this episode and good questions to discuss with your team. So that's our look at the year ahead. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 338, you'll see options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe. Yes, please do. As those subscription numbers give us some visibility into the impact of the podcast. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Jeff and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Lastly, please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 338, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.